Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, this is sort of a double-edged sword that we're going through right now, and especially with the crashes in the stock market and in the economy and such. Uh, that, obviously, with the coronavirus, COVID-19. Also, uh, what we're seeing with oil prices, and this is sort of a, a sidebar, uh, a, a price war, really, between Saudi Arabia and Russia. How is this adding or complicating the issue? Let's bring in Dan McTagg, former Liberal MP, Canadians for Affordable Energy. He is with us now. Dan, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, good to be here, Scott. So we're seeing uh, prices fall uh, really quickly. Give us an update there. What are we going to see over the weekend? These are going to tumble even more from what we understand. Yeah, down 10 cents a litre tomorrow. So if you can hold off, um, you know, you know, like 92.9 or a little bit lower, then it'll be 82.9 or a little bit lower. It's a net decrease of about uh, 9, 10 cents a litre, depending, of course, on how the HST is applied. Now, by the way, Scott, would put us back to prices we haven't seen since late February 2009, so well over 11 years ago. For most of us, a distant memory. Many of us weren't even driving back in those days. Um, obviously, many blaming uh, the COVID-19 uh, virus on this. Some only are even saying, well, just the consumption's down over the world. That's what's happening. Uh, but there is a double-edged sword here, and this story isn't getting a lot of play. What's happening between Saudi Arabia and Russia that's really affecting this? Well, Saudi Arabia and Russia have been working to keep uh, control and production for about three years now. Uh, That was after, back in 2014, Saudi Arabia wanted to kill off U.S. shale producers, so they began to flood the market. That didn't work out so well, and Saudi Arabia itself got badly burnt. So Russia, OPEC, led by Saudi Arabia, decided to uh, see if they can cooperate on production cuts. At the same time, U.S. uh, production and output continued to rise. Along comes the coronavirus, uh, which you quite really pointed out, uh, dropping, uh, impacting uh, demand for oil pretty much everywhere, even at this time of year when demand isn't very high. And that uh, forced uh, the Saudis and OPEC to say, look, uh, uh, our friends, uh, we've been buddies with you for three years now. We're going to have to go deeper on cuts. Uh, Russia balked, and uh, that uh, really annoyed Saudi Arabia, later on the United Arab Emirates. And so... uh, all of them have now gone into basically a production war. So their ink out, their output is increasing. They're flooding an already saturated market, and that's uh, leaving oil in no a no win position where it has to drop at least you know perhaps another ten dollars a barrel before all is said and done, and you shake down uh, the uh, you know the uh, easy the smaller players, and of course. Uh, leave uh, the world with a little less oil once this whole situation passes over. Uh, We all know when uh, a few years ago when uh, the U.S. said they had had enough of this and they decided to become more self-sufficient that, as you mentioned, Saudi Arabia tried to drop prices to to push them out of the game. Uh, That didn't work. Why is this? Why are they doing this again? What's different now? And again, with a complication of the coronavirus, is this going to work? Well, it's not going to work. Saudi Arabia still thinks it's a swing producer, basically meaning they can add or t- take off oil, and that will have an effect on prices. Uh, Russia's going to learn a pretty tough lesson, uh, and so is Saudi Arabia. That uh, With both of them going at it, all they're doing is allowing uh, the U.S. to continue uh, its growth of uh, production. It's not going to lead to anything more than uh, you know a depression of prices, and both countries have a lot to lose. In fact, the whole world has a lot to lose when prices become uh, so low that uh, you do see the exits uh, or producers head for the exits, stop their production. And then, of course, you get the reverse, the rebound, which could push you right back, you know, to $80, $90 a barrel in the scenario where the COVID uh, demand crisis ends. And uh, that, you know, who knows how long that's going to last. But 
uh, one key that I got from last evening was overseas markets, Asian markets, European markets, were all willing to give oil a bit of a rally, as well as gasoline futures. Well, uh, the traders here in North America opened up their little uh, computers and decided to cause, uh, yet again, a uh, uh, you know really uh, uh, an elimination of that increase. And uh, so there's really nothing out there to support the idea that somehow this crisis is going to come to an end. So they've decided not to increase or decrease prices, and I think we'll have to wait till Monday to see what news comes about. But uh, I've always been warned since the good old days of Shakespeare and Julius Caesar, beware the odds of March. Uh, is this all about Russia and Saudi Arabia trying to put other producers out of business? Uh, as a consequence of what they're doing, yes. They're going to shake down marginal suppliers. And that could include a lot of Canadian suppliers who are already who've been already badly hit by shenanigans with environmentalists who are uh, using uh, not warfare but lawfare to try to block our pipelines. Canada's not uh, in the game. And in fact, uh, when you look at $20 discounts to uh, what uh, is the current $31, $32 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate, you can see how vulnerable uh, Canadian production is. And it may very well just come to a standstill for a period of time. Um, uh, many of those companies who have already cut very deeply may have to just decide to pack it in for a period of time. I'm sure this is music to the ears of environmentalists, but what they fail to understand is two major factors. It's still the largest generator of revenue in Canada uh, as an industry. That's oil and gas. And number two, uh, think of what's happened since you and I spoke last Thursday, Friday. The value of the Canadian dollar has dropped by about five cents. It's heading to levels we haven't seen since early February 2016. And it means that every single thing that you and I are going to buy today or tomorrow or the next several weeks, all that toilet paper, has to be priced in U.S. dollars. That means that uh, our purchasing power has just been diminished by about 3%. So um, if you're kind of feeling like you're a little, you got a little less change in your pocket at the end of the week and that your pay isn't covering it, you uh, can then uh, blame this on the fact that we're not getting uh, effectively world prices for any of our products at any time. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. We have heard some climate activists jumping on board the COVID-19 scare and and basically saying, see, look, we can shut things down. We can look at the difference this is making with China not uh, polluting and such. Uh, This is a game changer. Do these two files mix? Oh, it's a game changer, all right. It's shutting down the entire game. Uh, and uh, it's not a game. It's not a game when you, your hospitals uh, don't have any money to be funded, when people lose their jobs. Uh, it's all fun until people really start to get affected adversely, and I think that's where we're heading. It, it's probably necessary, though. I would agree with them. I think Canadians and others need to uh, understand that if you take uh, our industries for granted and you think uh, that we can somehow shift over and you know uh, have windmills uh, operating to uh, make up the bulk needs for our energy, you can somehow... Uh, you know, have a, a chemical industry, a, a fossil fuel industry, keep your homes heated, that type of thing based on, uh, you know, this, these new wannabe realities, they're going to learn a pretty hard lesson. Now, of course, the concern I have isn't so much whether or not uh, extremists want to win the day. My concern is whether the federal government has the wherewithal, the financial wherewithal to spend its way out of a out of a recession, out of a major crisis that's about to hit us, and most of us are completely oblivious to what's going on. Uh, because the federal government, the federal liberals have spent us into a corner and spent like drunken sailors long before we got to this recession, or would recession be, 
uh, we don't have the levers we once had. We think we do. We're being told we do. But uh, well, the prime the, minister the just came out. The prime minister just came out and spoke, uh, you know, a couple hours ago uh, about this very thing, saying a stimulus package on the way. We're we're, we're seeing uh, the finance oh, yeah, minister yeah. and the Bank of Canada uh, president talk about that now. The PM says we're good that we have a strong economy. No. Yeah, yeah, we we sure as heck did. Uh, but he ruined it. He ruined it. And I mean, the reality is that. You can get all the money you want, but you've got to pay for it. And the bondholders aren't going to pay, give you 1% return. They're going to want 5 and 6%. That means your interest rates are going up. But, look, these are the same guys that said by now we'd have uh, annual surpluses. These are the same guys that said that uh, you could spend billions of dollars on infrastructure. It can't show a penny for it. These are the same guys that give $5.5 billion to green CEOs, and there's still nothing, not a single uh, economic indicator to say that it's been a very good thing for the country. So bottom line, they're lying through their teeth. And uh, But again, Canadians are going to have to learn the hard way and when they realize that their paychecks have been badly damaged by this government's uh, fiscal financial incompetence, maybe then and only then they'll, uh, they'll uh, put aside those in the media who think the elections are about social justice issues. Uh, the Prime Minister needs some good news here, certainly fiscally, does he not? I mean, considering what has happened, rail blockades... Uh, uh, as well as the pipeline issue, so on and so forth, uh, and and now where we are w- with this latest uh, event, he he needs some good fiscal news, does he not? It would that not be in his best interest to try to stoke the fire and get these things moving? Yeah, we were in the problem well before this happened, so I think he's probably realizing that he's uh, speaking and hoping that this thing will be over very soon. But uh, by the looks of it, uh, the situation is likely to get worse before it gets a lot better. The country will have to incur substantially larger debts, and of course, there's no guarantee as to how long uh, and the will will be in this and how deep it will go. Um, I think we're just at the uh, we're just beginning to approach this major storm, and uh, we've been accustomed to being told everything's just fine and just go on about our own way, and uh, that that may that may have worked out well in normal times. These are anything but normal, and of course. Uh, the blockades of a month ago, uh, followed very quickly by the coronavirus, uh, you know, really dash or, if you will, uh, destruction of demand, uh, and now, of course, the need to uh, try to pump the prime when you have very few resources to do it. Uh, I mean, it leaves pretty much everyone in the belief that uh, Canada certainly won't be unaffected by this, and uh, many of us are going to have to get used to a lower standard of living for the foreseeable future. Is there a positive to come out of these low, lower oil prices? I'm sure consumers will like it, but is there a positive anywhere here? Well, the positive may, may actually turn out to be the negative. This is a great time for the federal liberals to bring in not only another carbon tax of two and a half cents a liter on home heating fuel and, of course, on transportation. They're likely to implement or at least call for their un, uh, untested uh, uh, clean fuel standard, which no country has subject to, and which will raise the price of fuel like gasoline anywhere from eight to fifteen cents a liter. And then, of course, uh, we're going to be given uh, all the reasons to grease the rails to get into uh, uh, the net zero carbon twenty fifty, which will again hammer the affordability of ordinary Canadians, uh, while at the same time being uh, you know fed a digest of information from some corners, uh, journalists and media, who received substantial amounts of money from the federal government in forms of bailouts and other intriguing ways in which they can continue to talk about climate change as being the uh, the, the, the culprit for everything. And you know, honest to goodness, I'm surprised they haven't rewritten the history books to say climate change was responsible for the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> Who put that iceberg there? Uh, Dan McTagg's been with... Off. Yeah, Dan McTagg... <laughs> good point. Dan McTagg has been with us, former Liberal MP and Canadians for Affordable Energy, talking about the price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia and how that is also affecting our oil prices. Dan, thanks for the 
the time. Much appreciated. Have a great weekend. Great. great week. Thanks for having me. Take care, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.